0: What's up, everybody? My name is Adam and I'm the host of the You Know Adam Sane podcast, the show that is dedicated on bringing on passionate people, learning about their stories, and delivering value to entrepreneurs. So if that's what you're interested in, go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the You Know Adam Sane podcast, where you get to know a little bit more about people, passions, and all things business. Today, sitting across the way is Dr. Kim- Kimberly McKelvin. Yes. Of an associate dean of the Mercer College of Medicine.
1: Mercer University School of <laughs> Medicine. Very close. A
0: terrible, <laughs> terrible intro there, but that's sometimes okay. that's the way it goes. Uh, doctor. Yes. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Uh, this podcast is really meant for in- entrepreneurs. Yes. So a little bit uh, of a step outside of the realm that we usually go with, but super sure. excited about the things that you will be discussing with us today.
1: Well, hopefully it will be relatable to what your entrepreneurs need.
0: Fantastic. Uh, so t- before we start, I wanted to get a little bit about kind of the your experiences and the things that you currently do.
1: Sure, sure. Well, I went to school at the College of Charleston and graduated with a bachelor's degree in political science and history. And then I went on to work for a corporation, Blue Cross Blue Shield, it's now Anthem, I think, and did HR and corporate training there. So all of my HR representatives, or any of you that are learning to lead, um, shout out to you because it is not easy. Um, I really like teaching, so that part of speaking to others, helping others, I really enjoyed that. So I went on to get my master's in management. So I think the theories that I've learned in school with management has helped me, but really getting in and practicing has been the best experience. And um, I started teaching college, so I really, liked that. I love the college atmosphere. I love working with the students and the faculty. It just was intriguing to me. Uh, so I went in, on and got a doctorate at Georgia Southern right here in Statesboro. Fantastic. In higher education administration. Mm-hmm. And I've gone on to work um, in the administration level at uh, Columbus State University and taught leadership and management and Um, all kinds of different things. And I've also consulted with corporations and companies that needed help. Um, And now I have only been with Mercer for almost a year now at the School of Medicine. And I am Associate Dean for Faculty Affairs. We have three campuses, so I work with the the faculty on the three campuses and helping them on their journey as they learn about getting promoted um, to, uh, you know, associate professor or full professor or getting tenured. And with faculty affairs, you get a lot of development. How do you improve yourself? So I get to do a lot of these, not podcasts. This is my first. Yes, glad but to have you here. Also um, problem solving and helping um, faculty or chairs redirect, um, trying to make sure that we're getting the most um, impact with our faculty and with our students. And, and it's, it's a great job. It, it's always exciting. It's always um, a journey of learning. Um, So that's kind of a little bit about me. That was probably too much. No,
0: that's great. Uh, We have a lot of background. There's a lot of things to work through there. Uh, One of the things I wanted to bring up is the ever-changing climate of education. Yes. Um, You know, I think that uh, in this day and age, things are happening um, all the time. And, you know, what are you seeing... Because you're on the inside, right? You're seeing kind of like these students come through. Right. Um, But what is the current state of the students that are coming through the schools?
1: I I think it's evolved a lot. And I think if you were to ask me, is there a value of education? Let's Mm. just just take the bachelor's degree, the four years bachelor's degree. Um, I would say there's a great value in it. It is not the end-all, be-all. It's not everyone's path. I think whenever you can learn what that path is, whether it's a technical school or learning a trade or learning whatever it is that you feel like I have get up in the morning, I have a purpose. Um, sometimes education, higher education doesn't get you there. Mm. Uh, for me, it was life changing. I think um, I knew early on that I wanted a different life, a different lifestyle. and. I didn't have my parents didn't go to school so Mm. looking at others on the outside and looking at what they achieved they seemed to have a common thread that they um, had gotten an education and so that was the route that I had taken Um, it wasn't easy I had to pay um, my way through school Mm. three jobs Um, a lot of times working seven days a week Um, but for me it was life-changing I see the value of a lot of different things what I see that um, we probably don't put as much stock in because we don't have the time. If we are working our craft and our passion like you right now, that how often do you sit back and reflect on yourself mm-hmm. and working that craft of you? Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's building a skill that you can learn from a podcast or from um, something that that is in a book or a YouTube, um, making yourself better. Mm. Uh, and it's just important to continue to work both paths, learning new skills and abilities and some hobbies along the way, <laughs> but also working on you so that you actually evolve, continue to evolve.
0: So lifetime learner.
1: Absolutely. Love that. Yeah. Love being that. curious.
0: There's something that jumped out at me when you were speaking earlier, and it was that you were working three jobs
1: mm-hmm.
0: while while going to college. Uh, that is a work ethic that, On the outside that I'm because I currently employ a ton of students yes it's rare to find these days right it's harder and harder to find people that kind of like are willing to do go through that because it was tough
1: what was was it
0: like what was what what were the three jobs
1: um so I was teaching fitness classes in the morning
0: okay Zumba Uh, did they have Zumba back then (laughs)
1: No, it was step aerobics. <laughs> step aerobics. Let's go.
0: You still got the moves?
1: Um, I, I do get up every morning at 4.30 and go to the gym at 5.
0: Life but I would habit. not
1: say that I have the moves. I've got injuries <laughs> and actually a bruise right now to prove it. Um, but I worked at a flower shop in the weekends, and I worked for a dentist um, in the afternoons after school. Got you.
0: And so. then you were uh, bouncing between jobs as well as educating yourself throughout this entire through, – through that entire time. Yes, Yes. That's amazing. I mean, it's, it's very um, difficult to balance all those things. So one of the things that you do a lot in your position is conflict re- resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, as an entrepreneur, uh, we are constantly uh, having things thrown at us. Yes. It's, it's, it's a up and down wave of, of being able to resolve conflict. Sure. What advice do you have? Well, how do you approach conflict? What do you think is the best way to do so?
1: Well, I think being introspective, too, about who you are and, and how you learned how to deal with conflict. So looking taking stock of right now, who is Adam with conflict. Okay. So a lot of times we learn about conflict um, growing up. And we, we watch our parents or our guardians go through conflict. And if it's really hostile um, and it, it can be volatile and just raised to a level that makes you scared, you can become the opposite and just not want to deal with conflict. Wow. If it's authoritarian where it's it, – um, is, this is the way it is and you just follow my rules, you can also become accommodating that you always get your way. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to – I'm not going to say anything. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, you, you can have just a normal childhood where conflict is handled well, but still not really develop those skills. Maybe you've learned it in school where, uh, you know, there was something that happened. And you're like, gosh, I don't know. I just really don't want to um, handle it. And it doesn't matter your level of education. Because I work with, um, you know, doctors, physicians, and PhDs, and scientists. And it doesn't matter whether you've been educated or not. This is a skill, one, that you can learn Mm -hmm. and that you can get better at every time. And I find that most people feel very uncomfortable handling conflict. Um, And I would say to entrepreneurs and to anyone, um, no matter what age you are, is to be a study of people. Mm. And whenever, let's say, you're meeting with a new vendor or a new um, person, um, trying to find out what you can about that person first. Are they task oriented? Are they people oriented? Because you can really form um, the outcome of those conversations. If someone, if you know someone has kids and they're in the middle of it, like, how are your kids? Even if you lead with task, and even if you're just like, I want to get in and get this done and I, let's go to business. Mm-hmm. Knowing that you want to talk about your kids and that means important is um, people trust people in two different ways. I need to know you in a relationship situation before I can do business with you. Mm. And for me, I'm very task oriented. I need to know that you're going to be able to accomplish the goals before I can trust you and work with you. And we don't always come to the table at yeah. the same level. Sure. So finding out um, what you can about that person on the other side of the table is going to help you a long ways and continuing a relationship and, and building your business and building um you know the best outcome for your company
0: that's interesting so are you saying to go ahead and pursue that relationship even before any business or you know conflict arises
1: absolutely I uh, recently went to a practice and was meeting with a group of physicians that we want to have as a site and What I did was a little homework beforehand. I needed to know who the managing partners were. I actually looked at the website, looked at their faces, so I knew then sometimes you can do a little investigative work and just say, hey, what does this person look like? What are they going to expect when when I come in? Mm -hmm. So I already had a lot of information at my fingertips when I walked in, and I was able to say, hey, I saw that, you know, your son plays Little League. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. I walked out, and we got— Um, a lot of what we needed just by that prior homework.
0: Yes. So let me ask you this, because as an employer, um, there are times when names come across the desk, resumes come across the desk, and as an employer we start to pursue uh, looking at their social media. Is Mm their social media indicator of who they are as a person?
1: Absolutely.
0: So uh, when you do that, when you kind of like go that path, being able to uh extract the important information that they care about and then talk to them and be able to connect with them on that level helps build that connection to resolve any sort of conflict that can come down
1: the path it, it can mm. um and you know some some social media accounts are private but i do know other people that have gone on the side and said hey will you be this friend or show me their social media um, you can learn a lot about people in their social media. I would say um, as, as you want to grow your businesses, you want to really make sure that you protect your image mm-hmm. because um, your image is going to be also what people decide, are they going to work for this company? Are they mm-hmm. going to work for this type of person? Uh, um, so it, it helps you um, find out information, but it also lets people have an indication of who you are whole. and. I hear, um, especially the younger generation and I am certainly do not want to be the police of social media. I know it's evolved so much that I am probably out of touch. Um, I don't, I know people say I'm going to roll up on your DM and I think I have an idea of what that is, but I'm not sure. Um, but, um, People say, well, this is my private life. Sure. This is me in my private life. But if it's out on social media, it's really it's not, not private. private. And it really does give an indication of who you are as a whole. And when we hire someone, because when you go to work, you're there eight, ten hours a day. You're getting that whole person. Mm-hmm. We, we can compartmentalize that somewhat. But you, that image and that... Um, You know, that character comes with that person. So
0: do you uh, usually step into a situation where you become uh, the mediator, where you are resolving the two sides, where, you know, there's conflict that these two people have Mm -hmm. and then you're coming in and kind of like straightening it out to make sure everybody's on the same page?
1: I I have done that quite a bit. A lot of times I will get a manager or supervisor that comes to me and says, hey, can you help me deal with this? Or can you handle it for me? And I would rather teach someone how to handle it and walk through that scenario with them and teach them the skills how to do it mm-hmm. than just stand in and Because if, if I have to come in... Every single time that there's an It's issue. like bringing the <laughs> assistant principal in. And you don't want to do that. It, I, it's much better if you learn the skill on your own. But I what I see quite frequently is, let's say it's a new leader of an area, an existing area... So you didn't really get to hire your people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a conflict with an employee and it's bent. Joe has acted this way for a long time. He gets his work, but he's very toxic to the environment. Mm. And they're like, how do I deal with this? And sure. I'm like, okay, we'll look at the evaluations and see how the past evaluations have gone. And they're like, Joe gets five stars every single year. Great employee, good, great employee. And I'm like... No one has taken the time to give Joe feedback and to help develop him. Mm. And so now you have a new boss that's coming in that doesn't know how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So how do you deal with that? Or if I am the boss, um, let's talk about low-hanging fruit. You have, uh, let's say Sally comes in every day 10, 15 minutes late. You're the boss And I know she's coming in late. Everybody knows she's coming in late. But I don't say anything because I don't want to deal with it. And is it really that big of a deal? Sure. But if your standard is that you're going to be there at eight, why not coach Sally into meeting the expectations?
0: So how? Because this is something that um, happens very often. Yes. Like, you know, people showing up either five ten, sometimes even more. Yeah. Right? And it's a habit that... It's very difficult for sometimes for that employee to break, right? Like, so how do you like you know coaching them through it? When you say development, what is the approach there?
1: So, I, I, when you're a leader over a team, there. I don't want to say it's an adult daycare, but you're always managing issues that go up. I mean, what I learned in the books was great. I still go back and and read through my books, and I still listen to um, podcasts and things like that on it. But when you handle a situation that are complex and this person is very valuable, but they're not meeting your standard, Mm. you are doing a complete disservice by not talking to that person and trying to provide development. And I wanna tell you that not everybody is developable.
0: Right. Really? This is what you've found.
1: I, I have found that sometimes in this role or in, in this company, at this whether it's an entry level position or not, you can only personally do so much to help develop people. They in the end have to take the actions themselves. Themselves. So I feel like everybody can learn it. But not it's not worth it to everybody to actually do that. Mm. Um,
0: you can lead a horse to water, but <laughs> you can't, can't force, make them drink. Yeah. Yes,
1: so I so if it, if it was something like um, dress code or these are low hanging fruit that as the leader you want to address the little things too because they're gonna if they're gonna let little things go they're gonna let big things big thing, go too. Yeah. Um, is that bring um, that individual into your office and hey you know I noticed that this week you know you've been late a couple of times and be very specific and you know our, our time starts at eight I really need you to be on time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then hopefully that's the turnaround but often it's not Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So bringing them in a second time, like, you know, we just talked about this, you know, a month ago, I thought, you know, we were doing really good. I noticed that you're not coming in on time and it really affects the morale of the um, your business because if, if your employees are watching you not address a situation, they're gonna say, Adam's not taking care of his business yeah. or Adam's not gonna do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And that's not a way that you wanna handle it. Um, if it happens the third time and you just say, you know, I really need you to decide whether this is the job for you mm. because I really have a high standard. I really expect these things. And, you know, when, when you were higher, we talked about what time we started. Mm-hmm. So I need you to go home and think about it. And at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, I want you to know, let me know yeah. if this is what you want.
0: So in a lot of situations, that is a good way to handle it but what happens if you don't have the labor force, right? Because that is something that is very prevalent in today's like, time period where you don't have, if you had a list of employees behind, yeah. you could probably you know, yeah. say whatever you want. So how, how then do you continue to develop? Because you know, it, it, it exists in my organizations, right. Right? right? Where we're disciplining and you almost have to rely on that team member Right. There's no other choice. Right. So, you know, you can continue pouring, continue pouring until at some moment that it clicks and hopefully it clicks earlier than later. Right. But, you know, do you just try different methodologies? Are you um, what do you think is the best?
1: I think. Gosh, it really depends on the person. And I do I do see some of probably the businesses that you have that it would be really hard to... You don't have, like we did have, yeah. where someone's just ready to take the next slot. So you're like, gosh, if I do this, is it worth it? Mm. They could walk out. Yeah. Can I handle that? Because when they do, you're usually going to have to pull the slack. Sure. Especially if you're the business owner. Exactly. <laughs> and you're like, God, it's not worth it for me. I'm going to let that go. I think you have to decide um, what you're willing to, to let go. Mm-hmm. But I think there needs to be consequences. If this person comes in late, they get the closing shifts or they mm. get, you know, docked pay. There, there has to be some kind of consequence. Otherwise, there's nothing in it for them.
0: To want to try to do better.
1: Yeah. You just you telling me all the time you got to do better. There, There isn't anything there
0: so what about that discipline then is that discipline always is is the disciplinary route the way to go because oftentimes you know sitting down and speaking to someone you know they'll tell you what you want to hear right they'll say yeah yeah yeah, i'm last time last time last time yeah and then it becomes another time and it becomes another time what is how do you hold them
1: i mean accountability is mm. is important um and I discipline, I don't, I hate, uh, that sounds really bad. Extreme. But I would like to think of it as coaching. Mm. I want to help you because you're not probably going to be here forever. Sure. And in those next jobs that you have, this is, you know, this is a core concept of um, making your work credible. Sure. Is that you meet the deadline and you meet the guidelines that I've set. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes you really need to lean into that person's what's going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there may be there may be a reason. I mean, if someone is uh, meeting all of your standards all the time and something's happening, that's when it's a good time to get in there. Like, hey, is everything going OK? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that I can help? Uh, I've noticed, you know, this and this and being very specific in those behaviors. Um But at the end of the day, if there are no consequences, then you've basically said it's okay.
0: Mm. Inaction. Inaction. Basically doesn't do anything for your organization, especially in terms of conflict. Right. Understood. So let's kind of uh, change directions a little bit. Um, You know, you talk a lot about leadership and, you know, the way to lead people. Um, I think school— Mm -hmm. prepares a lot of people for the basic information. uh, But oftentimes, I don't see leadership being one of those components. How do we effectively train all of our team members to become better leaders? Because if you have a team of people that want to try to strive for growth, Mm -hmm. you usually have a team that's willing to go above and beyond.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, I think... Leadership can come in different forms. Leadership can be a position. Um, Just because I'm the associate dean, I mean, that's my role. I have positional power. Does that mean that people are going to want to follow me? Mm. And listen what I say. They may have to because because of their role and my role. But let's go beyond that and let's look at a leader that I want to follow um, and become that leader. Mm -hmm. And a leader that I want to follow is developmental. That is that lays out the expectations and that the clear expectations that we have a goal, let's Mm -hmm. say that it's a night, um, it's the holidays and people are coming into one of your restaurants and you know, it's going to be busy. Mm -hmm. You can do a quick huddle and say, look, it's going to be really busy. You know, it's a busy time. I mean, people's attitudes changed during the holidays. People, especially with food, probably get a little more (laughs) upset. Uh. I mean, but here's how I want to handle these next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all going to be in our top game. If you find and giving them your expectations mm-hmm. and then asking, is there anything you need? Love that. And this is a short period of time. The more that I can bring you together as a team, don't do it through email. It doesn't work. Leadership through email is passive. Mm. They need to see you say it if you're working with a team that's across the country and you're you're an entrepreneur and you're like team huddle on Zoom or whatever platform you use and say, here's what my expectations are. When you voice your expectations and you have to say the word, here are my expectations. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes they don't really understand that it's an expectation because you haven't said it. So they're thinking of shopping and everything else that they're going on. It's like, here are my expectations. Um, Is there anything you need for me to do to break down any barriers for you to get this? And so sometimes um, that's so effective because I've said it, I've communicated, everyone's here, Mm -hmm. um, that you've all heard the same message. You've allowed time for um, questions and answers and it doesn't take long. Um, Whenever you tell me what my expectations are, it's a game changer. If you're setting plans for your year for your um, business mm-hmm. and every you know what you want to do, you know what you want to accomplish. You're the entrepreneur. You're the leader. You're usually the one fronting this with fi- financial funding. You're bringing your people together and showing them what your vision is, writing it out in terms of goals and, and, assi- and kind of like uh, this is what I want you to do and this is what I want you to, to achieve. Strategic planning, and that is another form of communication and mm. checking in on those goals. Um,
0: I'm, I feel like I'm learning so much because <laughs> even, even myself, you know, I am very much like, you know, uh, in a position of leadership. Yes. But, you know, in terms of clarity of, you know, what, what's on the horizon, because they are businesses that already run. I don't think I've provided enough clarity. And I mm-hmm. think that that's what you're speaking to is mm-hmm. providing that expectation and saying it to the yeah. team and saying, hey, this is what, how we are going to move forward.
1: It's powerful. Um, and providing feedback to your employees. You know, the best thing, and I will tell you this morning, I was at the gym and it was 5 a.m. and we were doing this, we were doing glutes and it was, I was like, oh my, God, I was dragging. Anyway. The coach came over and said, here's what I need you to do. You're not in the right position. Mm. And so my back was hurting. We were working with glutes. My back shouldn't be hurting. Okay. (laughs) And his just direction and feedback made a tremendous difference. With just saying, let me offer you some feedback. Yeah. And it just, I thought of that so many times um, when we have students in the class or we have coworkers, and something's not going right. Um, say, may I offer you some feedback? Yes. And saying the word feedback, uh, because then that prepares them that what you're about to tell them is meant for growth.
0: So many, so many gems <laughs> in there. So many gems in there.
1: And if you don't say it, they could be like, "Oh, that was a compliment," and they never got the feedback that, like, "Hey, this is a time for development." Not everyone's in a season to be developed either. Mm. So, how do
0: you open them? Because, you know, one thing that I've experienced is, you know, I, I will start, you know, saying things and, you know, trying to, and, and I'm not really titling it. I think what's effective about your communication is you're saying, this is feedback. Uh, this is my expectation. And then going into it, I'm quite the opposite. I'm like, eh, this, these things are wrong. These are These are the things that are incorrect. And yeah. then it gets taken in a way where it becomes criticism. Yeah. So being able to label it saying, hey, can I offer you some feedback, be- or may I offer yeah. you some feedback? Basically, allows that to be that door to be open and that communication to actually happen.
1: I um, I, I really hear what you're saying. The way that your approach is is what I see a lot in entrepreneurs mm. and 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 in leaders. And it's not a bad approach, but let's tweak it some because when I'm in and you you, you work in a fast-paced environment where things have to happen quickly. Yep. And you only have a little bit of time to to get that information out. But, um, you know, saying these are the things I need. Are we listening? Are we all in a huddle together? Um, It could be very authoritative. And if it's not a two-way street where Mm. I can have any dialogue, I may may not be receptive to it. Um, So I I think... um, it, it depends on your timeline, too, because if you're just coming in and, wow, something's changed or something's off the menu or you, you have to be flexible, so you have to say those things, maybe at the end having a group huddle and say, hey, what, what went right? Mm-hmm. What do you think we could have improved? Because the people on the floor and that are working in your industries can give you a lot of room 100%. for feedback, for growth. 100%. And we deal with physicians. I mean, if, if it's life or death, sometimes you have to bark those orders out. If there's not a lot of time, you've got to say what we got to do because it's so critical. So timing is really important. And then if something didn't go well, let everybody provide, you know, a way forward. So you get really invested when you get to be part of the problem solving and the solution.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And not event session. You, Not a vent
0: session? <laughs> you therapy? Give, you
1: give a little bit of time say, okay, vent, and we're done. Yeah. Now let's find a solution.
0: So it, it, you work with a lot of, I guess, managers, right, like in terms of kind of like helping them get to that point. Um, what do you think – what do you see as a lot of mistakes that managers make?
1: Conflict avoidance. Um, you. I, I think I see some people that are uh, tapped into, hey, I need you to take over this role. Um, And they know the work. Mm -hmm. They're really good at the work, which is why they were tapped. But they have not built their toolkit yet for how to lead a team. Love that. They haven't built their teamwork, like how to run a meeting efficiently and then not waste time. And what if someone gets sidetracked and goes on forever in the meeting? You're like, we have lost it. Or the paperwork or the policies that come in. And you really have to change um, to start building that toolkit as well.
0: Just because you're a good employee doesn't make you a good manager.
1: Yeah, and I have some that say, oh, I'm going to be the chair of this department or I want to be this person. And they think about the prestige that comes with the title and the, and probably the extra paycheck, but they don't realize when you get into it that running a team is difficult. People mm-hmm. are difficult and and no two people are alike. What happened, what was successful with this person, you've got to really re-engineer it for this person.
0: Yeah. That's that's great advice. I, I think, you know, oftentimes um, because we are like, you know, in the restaurant specifically, mm-hmm. I'm constantly pulling people up to step into management. Right. But a lot of times it, it it's a completely different skill set. Right. Because like, you know, because they are great at their job, you pull them into management and they don't know that management size. So you not only just lost your best employee. Right. That's on on the floor. You also like aren't haven't effectively developed that person um, how much time do you think it takes to develop someone to get to the get them ready for management
1: I, I think it depends on the person but I think they need feedback along the way and and really timely feedback your annual evaluation should never be a surprise mm. I may reiterate some things that we've talked about throughout the year but when you notice something wrong and it, it's not just something subtle, but something like, "This is going to affect my outcome. This isn't working right." Give them the feedback then. Yeah. Let them develop. Um, I have so many people like oh, I really want them to like me, so I'm not going to give the feedback.
2: See that's Or right.
1: I say it in a joking way, and they don't understand that I'm being serious about the feedback. I I would like to provide you some feedback. Let's let's you know spend some time after work, just ten minutes. Mm-hmm. What went wrong? Make it a dialogue. I learn best when I'm not being told what I did wrong. What do you think went wrong? What do you think you could have done better?
0: The evaluation should never be a surprise. That's a gem right there. Yeah. Because oftentimes I think that conflict gets pushed to the point where, oh, this is the time where I can say I'm gonna
1: write down. I'm gonna write keep a file, write it down. Yes.
0: (laughs) And then they sit down there like confused because, oh, I thought that I was doing the employees like, oh, I thought I was doing everything correctly. Right. That's that's fascinating. Um for you, how Do you think things have shifted um, in terms of kind of like management employees uh, in this current age?
1: I think um, what I see more is um, something that we just weren't used to before is that work-life balance. I feel like that's always been a thing, especially if you have families. How do you balance it all? I feel like that's been a thing, but I feel like the newer – Employees want to work remotely some, or they want to do this, or they really want time off. Um, and you're just like having to reimagine how you do work. I mean, we work at the medical school. We're there every day. It's it's not a remote job. We sure. have students in classes and faculty in classes. Um, so I think you have to see where you can make um, changes in your ben- business industry to, to match what that new... Uh, philosophy is work-life balance because it's definitely different than I've got to be a mom and I got to be home and feed the kids and take it's different definitely different than that um, and sometimes you can make some changes in your industry to be able to allow that and sometimes you can't mm-hmm. but I was I would always continue to look at ways to um, whether it's job sharing if it's something something that someone can do at home are they going to be productive at home um Some people automatically assume that people aren't going to be productive if they're working from home, and that's definitely not in the research. Mm. Do you think that
0: people are more effective at home?
1: I think it depends on the person. Mm. So if you are going to work from home and you're going to allow that, then there's got to be metrics that can be, you know, this is what I need to achieve this week. There's got to be constant communication. Um, So I think it is different. and I think there are different expectations. So that's why I think when you bring new employees on, that your onboarding process of new employees is is tight. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting down and saying, here's what I expect. These are my. <laughs> Love
2: that. And,
1: and there's a checklist usually that you can just create and say, have we talked about dress? Have we talked about this? This is kind of what I want our work environment to be like. I mean you work with food, you work in the industry um, that people don't always, aren't always happy probably Mm. when they leave though they have great restaurants. You can't make everyone happy when it comes to food.
0: That's the reality.
1: So how do you handle that situation if someone's not um, happy? Um, What is the expectation there? There'll probably be times you're like, hey, just come get me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Or, hey, I I give you, I I empower you to handle this once you know that they can. Mm -hmm. So I again laying out the expectations and you know sometimes it's um we have a probationary period let's like, mm-hmm. see if this is a fit for you and let's see if it's a fit for me people use like oh gosh i want to be a fit yeah
0: <laughs> what uh if you had some advice that you give out to entrepreneurs with all the experience that you have what would it be
1: know your product mm-hmm. know know it be able to talk about it um, in an elevator going from the first floor to the third floor. Like, this is why I love what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, making yourself uncomfortable in going and um, meeting people and giving out your business cards. Mm-hmm. If you have a stack of business cards and you haven't opened that door and given your business card out um, whenever you're going somewhere mm-hmm. and talking about your business, someone else is. Mm-hmm. So it's uncomfortable sometimes to do that, but you got to build people that know about you and know about your work. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sometimes in philanthropy organizations, sometimes it's with your Chamber of Commerce, with Rotary. I mean, there are so many different ways to do that.
0: Doctor, I have to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I think I personally got massive, massive Uh, value from it. There's so much value there. It's going to change the way that I interact with my teams. And I'm sure it's going to help our audience continue to build their businesses as well.
1: I'm going to check back in on you in six months to see how it works.
0: (laughs) Hopefully you will be (laughs) proud.
1: I appreciate it. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you.